Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everyone? I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is your weekly checkup from the neck up. Look, if you look around, it doesn't take much to notice that it's, uh, it's a unique time for us. There's a lot going on and... You know, there's misinformation, there's information, there's stuff that takes us left and right. And the reality is that every human being involved in what's going on right now experiences emotions. You do, I do, we all do. And people are experiencing emotions in places that you often might not even think about. So tonight, I'm really honored to tell you that the guest for tonight's show is the Secretary of Corrections for the state of Pennsylvania. So he runs the prison system in Pennsylvania. His name is uh, Secretary John Wetzel. So Secretary Wetzel, welcome to Emotional Management. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I, uh, some would say I need a check up from the neck up, so I must be at the right place. <laughs> right, because so do I. We all do. That's why I say there are two kinds of people. Um, I mean, look, I, I think that there are people who get so much misinformation and things about this and that, and you're dealing with an entire population of inmates and then workers, staff. Um, so how is this whole situation affecting corrections and PA? Well, you know, it's probably the most significant problem that any of us has faced, and that's certainly true for corrections. Um, so it, it's kind of um, very almost unimaginable to think about um, if you think the, your listeners, the concerns they're having uh, about their family and their friends and this and that, and then put that in the, con- in the context of a correction system. But I tell you, we're so fortunate here in PA. We, we literally have the best staff in the country. And, you know, while a lot of mm. folks are sheltering in place and, and doing those kind of things, our staff every day are coming to work <clears throat> from the be- beginning of this crisis to the end of the crisis. And uh, I'm just so blown away by the literal heroism of our staff and the um, the great ideas and the commitment to the citizens of Pennsylvania. So uh, with that aspect, you know, sometimes the worst time. And, but I, I, mean, um, I could, no, but I kind of want to I want to jump on that for a second, because that's 100 percent. It's so eye opening. Like so many of our, our, our workers in, in corrections are they're going to work just as much as when people are going to the grocery store and there's a person there that has to be there. This is a profession where these workers are showing up, um, and I don't think a lot of people recognize that, you know? And, and they have the same concerns. They have the same issues outside of work as everybody else. So it, it's really uh, – I don't get overwhelmed much, but I'm really overwhelmed by 
uh, the staff at Pennsylvania Department of Corrections, and frankly, also the county jails. Like 61 county jails in Pennsylvania, those men and women 24-7. And it's not just correctional officers. We have food service staff. We have medical staff. And, and um, you know, prisons and jails are little cities. Little cities. And um, and yes. so it's, it's, uh, it's just been as difficult and challenging and uh, tedious as this has been. Um, Equally, when, when you get a chance to take a little step back, it's just um, it's just pretty amazing to see the character of the folks who work for us. Yeah, it, it's it's something it's something else, and that's a, that's a point that is, is big to make. Is uh, everybody in corrections still goes home and has the same kind of fears and stuff? But whereas a lot of people, and and rightfully so, we we're sending our thanks and our gratitude toward people in different professions. I definitely I join you. I want to thank the people in corrections that are going to work. And you know, keeping this keeping this country safe. And, and Christian, as you know, all over the country, like I'm in regular contact with my colleagues around the country, and you know, 50 states. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands, of county jails. And these folks are are um, are just kind of looking in the face of of danger and and their own personal issues, and just getting it done. Um, which is what, you know, I, I don't want to be too corny, but it's what America's about. You know, I mean, in the private sector, you see businesses shifting their business to support first responders. I, I just saw some company that made something else is switching their production to making masks. And I think, you know, mm. at times like this, it gives us an opportunity that as a country, as people, to just to just put all our stuff, all our differences aside and just focus on, on defeating this circumstance, you know, and, and the us versus them, them is the coronavirus. And, and so I think it's an opportunity for us to just pull together as a people. That, that's really powerful about the us versus them, that the them is the coronavirus. Um, I, I, I really love that. I didn't think of it that way. I was I, I talked about the us versus them today, but not with the coronavirus. I was just talking about how we need to move beyond the me versus you and get into what we can do together, or how we're alike. Um, and and you let know, me that tell taps you, that into makes, some makes different people. Like um, I'll tell you, first, fortunately, in Pennsylvania, with uh, you know Governor Wolf's leadership and and the leaders of all four caucuses, um, they're really focusing on what are what are the solutions the citizens of Pennsylvania need. But I got to tell you, I saw a clip last night that just it just um, it sickened me when you see like politicians talking about people on the other aisle on on the other side of the aisle. The other side of the aisle is this virus. And and if anything's coming out of your mouth other than what's going to help move our country, our state, our people forward against the the virus, then, then you really need to check yourself. (laughs) <laughs> it's, but it's, you know, it's important to do that. It's important for people to check that. I think, look, when people are afraid, they oftentimes will resort to impulsive thoughts, words, and jump in with the need to feel like an expert. So they'll jump in and say this and that. And whereas that can bring some people temporary comfort, the truth is it does more harm than good and ultimately comes back to bite them anyway. It, well, you know, today or yesterday when the governor did his uh, his regular news conference, you know, he said, you know, citizens of Pennsylvania, and I know Allegheny County is one of the counties that they're calling for citizens just stay inside unless you need to go out. And, you know, he talked about, listen, you got to ask yourself a question before you go out. Do I need it? Like, is it food, medicine, whatever? 
or am, is my action going to help save somebody's lives? And, and I think that's what it's about. I think if we just block out all the stuff that really doesn't matter in the context of an uh, un, unforeseen and unimaginable crisis, we just have the opportunity to really show the best in ourselves. And I, and I think that's critical. And I, I don't think that's pie-in-the-sky thinking. I think in times like this, I always encourage folks to, listen, let's just, even if we disagree with each other, let's just assume, and this maybe this is because uh, I read your book, Doc, I don't know, but um, let's just <laughs> assume that the other person is coming from a good place and we can disagree, but let's not assume that, that they're coming from a bad place. And it is critical in these times where there's there's so many difficult decisions. And what's really unique about this, as as someone who's a decision maker, is getting accurate information when the information changes so quickly. So I really think we just need mm. need to give people the benefit of the doubt in general. I'm not saying uh, you know I do work in corrections, so it's not being blindly naive. But I think we got to give people at right. least on their intentions the benefit of the doubt. No, I'm with I'm with you, and I think that really alters the way we approach others. If you're going to be, if you're out there listening, you want to be a part of the show. The number is eight six six three nine one ten twenty. Secretary John Wetzel is joining us from the Pittsburgh Disc Institute of Pittsburgh line uh, all night for the whole show. So we got a whole lot to get to. If you're struggling, if you want to have some uh, clear answers, give us a call, 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. He's Secretary John Wetzel. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. Joining us on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh line, Secretary John Wetzel. We're talking about the enormity of this e event and also lead. Leadership, like you, you, as a leader, as, as a person who's in charge of so many people and so many moving parts, what, how is this big, like you talk about emotional management, how is that for you? Yeah, well, I'll tell you that the, I think the best antidote to, um, to, to taking big hits mentally is having a great team in place and a team that knows what they're doing. So, um, yeah, it, it is, um, it's been kind of unprecedented, challenging times, but, I think both certainly at Department of Corrections, but, you know, uh, again, Governor Wolf, Dr. Levine, if you watch her, her daily press conferences, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think events like this, uh, my experience are that they become pressure tests. And by pressure tests, it's like mm. in the spring when you get your hose out, you, you uh, put it under pressure, you put water through it, and all of a sudden you see where the cracks are. And so when, when you're in a time where you're in challenge, you're in crisis, um, the, the cracks come out. And fortunately, um, you know, we, we have less cracks than a lot of systems. And at the same time, you know, corrections, uh, we're emergency planners by definition. So um, I think that's where um, I get my um, – the confidence that we're going to get through this, but it is, it is very difficult. And what, what folks uh, who work in corrections in particular are not good at is self-care. Uh, there are folks who, you know, if the building's on fire, they're running in, not running out. And, um, and right. so that, that right. is uh, going to be a challenge for us moving forward. When we get through this, um, making sure we're finding a way to take care of our staff, our staff who are working too many hours right now, but, but we need them to work hours, you know. So uh, hopefully, as we get to the well, other actually, side, I heard a lot of I heard a, I, all about their wellness. 
Yeah, definitely. And I heard a lot of gratitude um, from some CEOs. Uh, for, you know, my wife isn't able to work right now. Um, and I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this job. Um, so there was a lot of gratitude that I encountered. Um, and I, I thought that was pretty powerful to see that because you're right. It's necessary because you're asking them to run into the fire, essentially. Um, so what kind of, how is this, how is the coronavirus affecting, let's say, the day-to-day operations? Uh, significantly. Uh, we started a week and a half ago with um, actually doing health assessments on all our staff coming in, um, taking their temperature and this and that. And you think of prisons, it's, it's, the funny thing about this is that um, what is our strength now will become our weaknesses later. And our strength now is that this is an outside-in threat. Um, so it's a virus coming from the outside. So we can really focus on trying to keep it out. And that's why we're assessing staff, stop visits. We've switched uh, all visits to electronic video conferencing and those kinds of things because um, we're trying to keep the virus out. And, and as of now, knock right. on wood, we've had uh, a handful of inmates tested. Uh, all the tests we've got back so far are negative. Um, you know, interestingly, it's been in the midst of a pretty significant flu season. So for us to lock down a housing unit or quarantine a housing unit because we have a flu outbreak happens every year. Um, so, uh. again, we, we there's some benefits for us rehearsing this. But at this point, we you know, we've done a good job so far, knock on wood, at, at really mitigating the threat inside. Um, as the days go on. Um, that's going to become difficult. And, and the fear that a lot of folks have is that once it gets inside, then our strength of being an outside in, the weakness is, is how much the close, um, the close living and things like that are becoming normal for us on the outside, like social distance, like staying in less than groups right. and tents in a housing unit with a couple hundred people, it becomes a challenge. Now we are adjusting and, and, um, one of the things I'll say about our department is we've become agile over the years, um, but but that's a huge challenge for us. And then um, one of the challenges about the, I think the time we're in is that you know social media everybody's an expert, um, and so we have a lot of folks who are rightly so because of the potential if it gets in to call for like we should be releasing more people. And I will tell you in Pennsylvania one of the things. But you can rest assured is number one, our mechanism, our primary me- mechanism for people getting out of prison is through the parole system. Our partners at the parole board are working extra hours to, to do hearings to keep people getting released. And I would uh, would say for the citizens also that uh, as people are being released, we're, we're medically assessing them. And, and if they need a referral to a doctor, uh, we're making sure they get that referral to the doctor. So um, I just want to throw that out there. But um, folks are calling for, you know, people to be released. I see it all over the country. And, and one of the things uh, that I want to say is I agree. The smaller our footprint is, especially once we get um, assuming that somebody gets the virus inside, the, the smaller the footprint, the more we're able to isolate and quarantine people. So if we have less cells, and, and some of this sounds very mechanical and math-wise, but this is, the reality is this is a problem. It's a problem where you have a bunch of variables right. that change, and to the extent you can control the variables, that's how you manage a, a crisis like this. It's not, while it's emotional, you can't manage a crisis from an emotional place. So it really is about how small of groups can we break people up in, 
people, incarcerated people, how, how smaller groups can we break them up in? To, how, to what extent can we protect the virus from coming in? And then at the same time, we need to keep the environment normalized. So I'm sure a bunch of your listeners are feeling like they're going stir crazy. They're kind of locked in their house and those kinds of things. And so they're, you know, I see people trying to take walks, but they don't want you to go in parks. And so you're just trying to figure out how to, how to kind of not lose your mind, uh, for lack of a better term. And so part of our strategy I, I literally is had to keep a, the I environment had normalized to the extent possible because, you know, it, prisons sometimes become very intense environments. So there's the keeping the virus out, there's the social distance, and there's also trying to manage the emotions of a population of 45,000 people who are incarcerated and 16,000 staff who are, uh, you know, doing this hard job and still have their own challenges at home. So it's been a, yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks. I, I would say that. I, I, I definitely agree. I listen. I, I, I had. Uh... And, and who said who said boy I, I feel in, I feel incarcerated being home um, you know he doesn't able to get out now and so that statement is kind of it's interesting because people are starting to even use that kind of saying like I've, I've heard people say that so for people who are feeling stir crazy out there I mean it's so just use is one I believe can bring people a lot of peace and I heard you use it um, the other day it's about you really just look at this and say, honestly, the most effective thing we can do right now is calmly and rationally reduce the variables. And the more we do that, the bigger uh, impact that we have on, on getting over this. Yeah, I mean, I mean and, and so let's, let's take it to the statewide or take it to the Allegheny County lockdown. Um, what the governor and, and Dr. Levine are trying to achieve is reduce variables. And a variable for John Q. Citizen is interaction with another citizen. You have a virus that lives on surfaces for potentially days. And so every time you touch a surface, it's a variable. The surface in your house, less variable because there's less people. Surfaces in a grocery store, in a restaurant, in some of these businesses that the governor uh, is deeming non-essential, it's variable. So everything is about, and flattening the curve and all these terms you're hearing, it's about less variables, make things more predictable. And it's absolutely true that the less contact you have outside of your safe home, every contact increases your risk for getting coronavirus. So the more contacts, just multiply it by two, three, four, five, six, you're increasing variables. And it's just that simple, I think. As complicated as that is, if that yeah, makes any it, sense. No, right. No, it does. It does make sense. And it is. But it's it's essentially what needs to happen. We need to reduce variables, and we're trying to do that tonight. We're trying to break down a whole. Bunch. Hey, John Wetzel joins me on the Pittsburgh Dixt Institute uh, line. These are all of this stuff is no doubt affecting you at home or in the car out there listening. It's affecting you, and we want you to be able to talk about it. So if this is, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, but Secretary Wetzel's with me on site. Um, so if you want to, 866-391-1020 is the number. This coronavirus, the threat, the fear, all that's happening right now, can seem so overwhelmingly chaotic. And as Secretary Wetzel is doing and leading by example, I think what we're trying to get to is a balanced position of being reasonable, 
the way we approach it. And we can do that together. Coming up more on AK Radio. I love the intro music. I think whatever's going on, when you hear that intro music, it kind of pumps you up. I'm Dr. Christian Conti, and joining me tonight, Secretary John Wetzel. And we're talking about, obviously, the impact of the coronavirus, um, not just in the world, but specifically in the prison system. I mean, look, the, the prison system is a population. It's an area where oftentimes um, people forget about, don't talk about. Um, and I, I think it's important for us to understand that every person, every person in our country, every person in our world is as of equal value. And so I think that sometimes that population gets that gets lost. Um, so I was in the prison today, and I want to tell you guys about this. So I was working, and Secretary Wetzel, I feel like you're going to appreciate this. I know you have a background in systems. You deal in systems all the time. So I was running a group today with some inmates, and I, I was talking about homeostasis, how, you know, we have body temperature, and that's a, our, our, our blood, our pressure goes up, our temperature goes up. You know, we have homeostasis, the balance is 98.6, our temperature goes up too high, we get a fever, it goes too low. So, in the same way we have homeostasis in our body, a balance point, we do the same thing in the system. And if we upset that balance point in any way, it can radically alter that system. And so, what, what we've talked about is how, even if you work to change yourself, People around you who were used to you behaving a certain way will likely try to put you right back in that old role because that's what they've known you as. And so we discussed that. But I know that you talk about systems, you integrate systems in your work. It's so it's so important. It just changes your perspective on life when you understand systems. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that may, I think it's unique about corrections, I I really don't know because I started working as a part-time correctional officer while I was in college at age 20. So I've never had a job outside of corrections. But everything, if you ask a correctional officer, when I was a correctional officer, you would ask me if I had a good day. Generally, the answer would be whether I stayed on schedule. So if you stay on schedule, it's a good day. Anything that gets you off schedule, a fight, a medical emergency, anything that gets you off schedule, it changes things. And the rhythm, the day-to-day rhythm that we all have in our life, I think is especially important inside prisons. So events like this that just completely knock us off kilter. And when you talk about systems, let me just quantify for your listeners what we're talking about. So we're talking about a system that has about 45,000 incarcerated individuals, um, has about 14,000 staff working inside the prison, and that's in 25 prisons. We're also talking about a halfway house system that has a, a couple thousand individuals all across the state in about, I don't know, 35 halfway houses. We're also talking about a system that has 41,000 people under probation and parole super, uh, supervision and about 1,800 parole officers overseeing them. Um, and, and so people would say, well, just stop overseeing them. Well, that's it's so part of big. our job is public safety. So that's why just opening up the doors and randomly letting people out of prison is not generally a good strategy for society um, if it's going to impact public safety. The same is with parole supervision. And I talked a lot about our prisons earlier, but our, our parole supervision staff is also essential employees 
who the same construct coming to work every day. Um, and I've just been blown away by their creativity. Let me give you a real good example. So there's what we decided to do is like for people who are lower risk, let's just have them call or FaceTime or use some electronics to come in. We have some other folks who aren't low risk and need close supervision in order to stay on the straight and narrow. So we're still requiring them to come in. And so what our staff did at, a, at a, our parole offices, they set up a room with like an iPad in. So they're FaceTiming with um, a, a higher risk parolee in the office, in a different room, pre- prevent the, uh, the, the passing of the coronavirus, but still ensuring public safety. And that's why if I sound positive, I sound positive solely because of the kind of stuff that's going on all over our department and, and the work our staff is doing. I mean, I, I just think it's really cool to see that people step up in crisis um, to become more creative. And, and, and it's funny, when you talk about system theory, you know, good systems uh, rally around these things and good systems respond well in crisis. Systems with problems before the crisis, the, again, the pressure point, uh, the crisis becomes more acute and it's brought out. And what we're seeing right now in Pennsylvania, knock on wood, hopefully we continue to see it, is, is um, a, a system that is, is confronted with a challenge, but, but a system that's stepping up and, and becoming creative and finding a way to get the job done. Well, I'm I'm working in uh, doing work in one of the prisons right now with a, just a phenomenal superintendent. I mean, he's just absolutely outstanding. His leadership and the deputies they have the right they have all the right people in place. And here, here's one of the things that I notice because particularly the superintendent is is he's calm. He's a calming presence, and he, you know he even said that. You know, we, we did a little uh, video for it, just in house uh, type thing, but we wanted to get the word out because. Like you know, we need to tell people what's going on as quickly as we can. But we wanted to make sure we were both, like I said, I want to make sure we take a moment to breathe our best calm energy so we can br- bring people uh, a sense of peace. And it's interesting because you, you made that statement about being confident or positive, and you're positive and confident because of the hard work. I mean, I really believe work ethic drives our confidence. If we know we've worked really hard, and, and you know you have your staff, have your, all the people have worked so hard. That's what gives you that confidence. We have just, just a moment of uh, technical. What was We're it all? sorry, this your call did not go through. If you need further assistance, please stay on the line oh. and an operator will assist you. Yeah, please do. Welcome back. I apologize. I, um, it's interesting. We're, we, in practicing emotional management, I definitely practice the message I teach. And being flexible, being able to kind of roll, be fluid is so important in life, especially in these times. So, you know, a lot of um, television crews, a lot of radio um, hosts are doing things from a distance now. And sometimes that doesn't always um like, for instance, on my end, I might have just messed up a couple of buttons. But it's okay. It's fluid. It's a part of what's going on. And I'm blessed to be joined with a man who knows what I mean by fluid in Secretary John Wetzel. So, Secretary Wetzel, I, I, before that cut out, I was talking about that confidence that you have in your, like, what's going on right now because I believe hard work breeds confidence. So when you see that your staff's working hard, 
it gives you that confidence or that positivity on the outlook. Yeah, I mean, as as a as a leader, as a boss, when you are sitting in a room with people that you believe in, uh, and when they're sitting uh, in like in a facility, like you talked about the facility uh, you're currently working at, where you have a great leadership team and they believe in the people who work for them, then then you know you can get free stuff, you know and. And I think one of the things about corrections, one of the things why I love it, like I said, it's all I've ever done in my life, is because um, the really good people in corrections don't take themselves too seriously, have a sense of humor, um, don't get rattled, um, you know, are used to seeing things that, that most people um, don't even read about. And so it, I think um, a lot of folks in corrections are built for these situations. And again, I, I can't stress you enough. You talk about flexibility. I'm doing, I'm going to stay between six and 10 conference calls a day, like the rest of the world, including some Zoom calls. And, you know, I'm about 80% that you can actually get in and don't drop people and don't knock people out. So this is the new normal. So we got to <laughs> kind of roll with it. And I think the other thing right, that's critical right. in these things is a sense of humor. Like I will tell you, I was <laughs> here Sunday. Uh, spent half a day working at home Sunday and just doing a bunch of conference calls. And um, one of my daughters, who was in college, is now uh, homeschooling online education, is listening to my conference call with a bunch of my colleagues from around the country. And after the conference call, she hands me a bingo sheet. It's called Conference Call Bingo. And if your listeners are doing a lot of conference calls, I would highly encourage it. You can probably Google it. But she took a bunch of things I often say and then things – I think she took it from a format that uh, that has things that common commonly happen, like you can hear a dog bark, awkward silence, uh, somebody saying, <laughs> silence your cell phone. So uh, Monday morning when my team came in, um, I passed, uh, sitting at their table was this bingo. And I'll tell you what, it was a nice, when someone finally got bingo, uh, it was a pretty cool moment. And so big shout out to the boxers. That's really cool. Uh, for, for coming up with that, but there's just things you have to do things for stress relief. And I, I like joke. I like laughing. I like joking. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but I think you got to laugh your way through life. Sometimes. I, I, I agree. And we need to find time to have that humor, even in those moments. So I think it's like, look, you can't hold two opposing physiological states at once. So we can't be in a state of joy and a state of fear at the same time. So if you can get yourself to some moments of laughter, if you can take yourself lightly, man, that does. It does change things. Let me ask you this. I was, yeah. so, I, so I was talking about that hard work and comfort, hard work and confidence. So I said, that to, um, coming back to that for a minute, I said there was an inmate who said, I, li- I like your swag. And I said, I appreciate that. I said, I have this swag because I've worked really hard for a long time. So when it comes to, you know, giving you this information, this is information I train and live for. And so I was kind of saying, like, if you re- it's not about having swag as much as it's about believing in your hard work. Um, and, I, you know, it's just a, on a personal level, it's so important. Yeah, well, you know, my, I mean, my history, I, I uh, spent a lifetime in football to include coaching uh, college football at the Division II level until 2010. So everything, my filter in life is football experiences, and I've coached and played on some great teams and some terrible teams. 
And that willing to prepare, the readiness to prepare, uh, makes all the difference in the world. And, and like, you're watching a game, and the end of the game, one team just consistently fails, and the other team just consistently finds a way to get it done. I would argue it's that um, the hard preparation, when there's nothing on the line, when you don't have to do it, it's like the uh, the linemen and, we're, you know, a bunch of fat guys. I guess it's relative now because – uh, they're a lot bigger now than, than back when I played. But, you know, on the good teams, the linemen stay after and do extra sprints. None of us like to run. As a matter of fact, I despise running to this day. But um, it was willing <laughs> to put in that extra work and understand that that's going to translate, and it may not translate week one. It may be week 10, and, and there's a moment where you just need that extra inch or foot, and, and it comes out because you made the sacrifice before. And I think it, these situations are the same. And that's not to say that if you weren't prepped, you can't adjust and get to where you need to go. But I think in our case, uh, in, in Pennsylvania in general and, and the Department of Corrections in particular, we've prepped for this. I mean, I'll, I will tell you an anecdote. Um, when, obviously, I worked for Governor Corbin. I was appointed first in 2010. He lost the election. Governor Wolf came on. My first cabinet meeting with Governor Tom Wolf happened the week before he got sworn in. So he gets sworn in, I believe it's a Monday. Uh, it's either a Monday or Tuesday, the third week in January. The Thursday before, we had a cabinet meeting with all the appointees at the Pennsylvania Emergency Management uh, Building, and we talked about emergency preparedness. And Governor Tom Wolf, in his first meeting I sat in with him, he said, listen, Day one, when we take this over, we have to be prepared to uh, respond to an emergency. And and so when I tell you that there's confidence coming from our administration, it really comes from the hard work and the preparation that, that we've done for years. Yeah, that's, that's it. I want I have to come back to that football stuff because I'm doing this uh, today. You know, I'm broadcasting from my home office, and in my home office I have a poster up from my good friend, our good friend, Ray Lewis. And Ray Lewis said, uh, wins and losses come a dime a dozen, but effort, nobody can judge that because effort is between you and you. And I know that can get you fired up just thinking about a statement like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, I, I, um, part of, I think part of being in these situations is finding a way to, on the bad days, to motivate yourself, on the difficult days, to find a way to respond, and I can't tell you how life-changing YouTube is. I mean, listen, if you wake up and you're not feeling the energy and you watch some Ray Lewis pregame speech and it's not getting you where you're locked in, we're watching, uh, I'm a big Jocko Willis, he has this, there's this video called Good, where he's like, all oh, this bad stuff happens, good, we're going to handle it. I mean, that kind of stuff, I think finding a way to find some motivation, and again, for me, my filters are football, so I could I pregame speeches, big hits back back when in football you could actually hit people, which is a whole other topic <laughs> for a whole other day. Um, you know that's the kind of stuff that that gets me motivating, gets me locked in to to go and do my job, which has nothing to do with football at this point, but it's just that thing that turns it on for you. And I think you have to find that, especially in a situation like this that's going to last for. Best-case scenario, weeks. Worst-case scenario, months. And and that's – you're right. You're right. I like us talk. I like hitting on that, I, like, football stuff and see people seeing you 
that behind the scenes stuff, it's great because it is football that shaped your, your work ethic. That's why you take on the stuff and you keep going because you get fired up with it. And I have to check out that, uh, that good video because that sounds, that sounds pretty awesome. We do need to pump each other up in these moments and, and, and vibe off each other. I tell people about YouTube because you can go to that at any point to realize there are always people out there who are feeling something similar. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm jumping here on a topic, but I, it's something I, you know, sometimes when we talk, we just kind of would go. But um, there are 7 billion people on the planet, a little over that, and some say there are only really four primary emotions. So isn't it fascinating that in any given moment, there are literally millions of people feeling exactly how you're feeling? Well, you know, that, that to me is a similar um, theme to, like, celebrating similarities. Like, us versus them mm. and them is whatever the problem of the day is. It's a similar theme. I mean, I think um, you have two options in these, in these situations. You can look for things to be outraged and, uh, you know, five minutes on Twitter and you'll find a lot of that. Or you can find a, <laughs> look uh, and, and try to find things that are positive and that are going to make you feel better. And and uh, just my experience, I mean, I'm, I have over 30 years now working in corrections. Is, I, you know, there's enough negative that's going to happen anyhow, so I just try hard to find the positive. And, and frankly, at, at this point, it's shut out the negative altogether. Like, I don't have time for anything that's pulling in any direction. I told our staff the other day, I said, listen, this is where we got to be. First of all, um, it's about mission critical. So for us to get mission critical, when you talk about all the constructs I talked about earlier, parolees, parole officers, inmates, officers, you know, all these different dynamics, everyone, for us to make sure we're making the best decision and heading in the right direction and we're doing only what's mission critical, everyone has to understand what our vision is. And so we're spending a lot of time trying to communicate. Um, and then we have to, as leaders, as the person who at the end of the day um, and I'm a, I'm a team participatory planning kind of manager. I get input. At the end of the day, I have to make the difficult call one way or the other, right? But if I'm, I'm the kind of leader who, who thinks I have the market cornered on good ideas, I'm going to fail in this situation. Right now, more than ever, one of the things I do is give my staff permission, criticize me. Please, please do not let us get in a group think where everybody's sitting around a table nodding. Trust me, if you're in these situations, and everyone around that table is agreeing and no one's angry and no one's upset and no one's rolling your eyes, you have a bad process, and I guarantee that. That's But see, this is something that in, this could really impact all of our listeners right now because even in your own family system, that's going to happen. You're going to have disagreements. There are going to be moments when it, you need that disagree. You need that dissent so that you can grow. That's why I call my book Walking Through Anger. It's not about avoiding it or shoving it down. It's about facing this stuff head on. We got a lot to get to. We're going to do a whole bunch tonight. That's why I'm so grateful. Um, Secretary John Wetzel is joining us all night, uh, and so he'll be here the whole second hour, too. Would love for you to be a part of the show. The number is 866-391-1020. Um, and, yes, we're talking about, as you're, as you're here, we're talking about all, all kinds of subjects. So if you're struggling with something and you want to talk, give us a call, 866 391 1020. And when you're checking out YouTube, 
type in Dr. Christian Conte, C-O-N-T-E, because we'll get a bunch of videos about life. Um, I think we need to, I put those videos out because I think we, the world needs as many mental health resources as it can get right now. And we got a bunch more for you coming up on KDK Radio. Welcome back. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conte. Joining me on the Pittsburgh Disc Inst- Institute of Pittsburgh uh, line is Secretary John Wetzel. And we're talking about uh, this crisis and what's going on and how it's impacting not only corrections, but look, let's go personal and talk about it with life. Um, let, let's think about the lessons and where we are right now. If you are just giving advice to listeners in general, like what do you say to people about this coronavirus and, and what to do and all this fear and you look out and just with your experience, what do you tell people out there? Well, uh, first of all, I want to echo what you said coming out of the last break. The the bumper music is you're just killing it. As for an 80s kid, uh, just killing it. Uh, loving that. <laughs> I love it. I love, um, I love that. I love when music comes on. <laughs> I really do. Um, no, I mean, listen, I think it's about, about really just figuring out uh, what I think the first thing is understand that there's stuff you can't control, and and um, I, I'm terrible at that. That's uh, you know uh, people in positions like mine often have a huge locus of control, which means that we believe that we can control a, hell, a heck of a lot more uh, than we actually can. Um, but understand that some of the stuff is beyond your control, and any uh, you know I think of of. Um, my energy as a finite thing. And especially as I'm getting older, I'm realizing more that what I was able to just push through earlier, I can't. And that energy includes the energy around me and the energy of people around me. And, and probably one of the best management lessons, and, and I'm talking about managing an organization, but I think life management lessons is when, when times are bad for me, there's people I want around me that I consider security blankets. And there's other people that, that mm. with bad vibes. And if you have a bad vibe, and I'm not even saying that with judgment necessarily, I just can't have you around me because I find that that sucks my energy out. So I think it's really about understanding well, yeah. that you have a finite amount of energy, and that energy is best used in the positive, not the negative, especially in these circumstances. Like we have well, – I, so I mean, I think, when, when I, I tell you I just got an email five minutes ago – uh, from one of my deputy secretaries who shared that uh, I had a sergeant at one of my prisons just perform the Heimlich maneuver on someone and, and save them. And, and uh, you know, it's that wow. kind of stuff that I want to celebrate that. I'm sure at the same time there's something uh, that went some way in some other prison that, that shouldn't have. But, but I prefer to focus on the positive and say, look, there's, that's great that that happened, and, and that makes me feel good that we have staff uh, doing that hard job. No, I mean, that, that's amazing. That's absolutely phenomenal. And that is something to celebrate um, for our staff to do that. It's just phenomenal. Um, I, look, I agree with you with the energy and, the, and need, not needing the people around you that are, not, that, that are toxic. It's so hard. Here's how people become toxic. When people focus on just on complaining, um, that becomes extremely toxic. It's challenging to be around that kind of energy. It's one thing to vent and get something off your chest. And I really do believe that's healthy. Like, hey, I was frustrated with this in this moment. But once you've said it and gotten off your chest, saying it again is literally just complaining. 
Um, and we don't often feel like our complaining, we feel like it's justified. Like, I have a right to complain. But the problem is the more it's very taxing on other people. And in a crisis, in a tough moment, more than ever, we need solutions. We need potential answers, different sides of the box. We don't need to just complain about, you know, what should be different. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I uh, yeah, that you're, that's probably accurate and very diplomatic. I just don't have time for people pulling in a different direction. And I think that, like, at these times in crisis, I consider, like, I consider raising a problem without a solution not pulling in the same direction. And so I put uh, complaining a little bit in that category to say, listen, if, if what's coming out of your mouth next is not going to help the situation, do us all a favor and just don't have it come out of your mouth. Because <laughs> we all have work stuff and life stuff and personal concerns about getting this virus, children, families, all this stuff. I think it's, it's time for, and, and what you see is cream rising to the top. And you see, um, if you're looking for the best in people, you're going to find it. Because you're going to see people who are putting all their stuff to the side and not using energy uh, to complain unless they have a solution. And I think we just need to be... Again, you know, we talked earlier about kind of taking emotion out of it, and we're talking about variables. We're talking about a problem that has a solution, and the solution two hours from now may be different than the solution now. But you can't make good decisions while you're in your feelings or while you're emotional. And so, uh, you know, I think there's very little time for the negativity right now. What I think will be interesting is to see how this impacts us on, on let's look at this basic level. So um, yesterday I got gasoline and when I went inside the store, um, I noticed that the way everybody was looking at each other, it almost looked like people were, oh no, like you could hurt, like you could hurt me, you could hurt me. And it was very interesting for me because I kind of, my ears perk up when I see if there's a tough situation and it looked like everybody's face almost looked like in crisis. Um, but I wonder how that impacts us down the road if we, you know, once a fear is registered, like, wait a minute, this person might be dangerous. It might take some mindful reassociation to look at people and say, you know what, I'm not afraid that you're going to hurt me. Yeah, it is. It is such an interesting construct, like sitting in and we've reduced the amount of people who are actually in a room. But, you know, most of my staff are essential staff and, and we're folks who have to physically be there often. Um, but even like if you're in a conference call and someone sneezes, you see nonverbals around the room like, oh, my God, I'm so glad they're on the phone and not sitting in this room right now. Um, so it, it will right. definitely have a reset. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm someone who lives off live sports. So not having that, I'm forced to watch a lot of uh, TV that I probably wouldn't otherwise watch, you know, trying to find some good shows to binge watch. <laughs> And it's funny because, like, if someone coughs, I immediately go to, wow, I wonder, look at their social distancing. And I've already reset and kind of reoriented and focused on all the challenges we're hearing on a regular basis. But see, that's, 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 uh, to me, that's so interesting. Uh, my wife and daughter and I were watching the show the other day, and the people in the show hugged. And we were like, oh, my goodness, they just hugged. They don't, they know. And we were like, hold on a second, this was filmed long before this. So you're right. It's interesting. It is in our psyches. And if we're not mindful, and if we are mindful, we can move through it in a relatively, you know, we're, we're built to be resilient. 
But if we are not mindful of it, it could take a little longer. I think that's why just talking about it, even laughing about it like we are, it, the reality is we need that, like you said earlier, we need that humor. Um, and people sneezing over the computer is a lot safer than in, in, in the same room right now. <laughs> no doubt. No, no droplets coming across this uh, ISDN line or whatever. But I would love for you yeah. to, to talk to folks, especially like folks uh, like me, people who are working in, in emergency management or first responders, about ways to manage stress. Because I'll tell you, like, you you know, we've known each other for years, and you keep beating this uh, mindfulness five five minutes of meditation and you know i get it maybe once or twice a week i actually remember what you you tell me but you know i think <laughs> folks like my staff need strategies on how to manage everything they're managing so if you could touch on that at some point i think that would be really helpful for folks and i'm sure it translates to other walks of life but i, I just think um we need healthy adaptive strategies right now and i think a lot of us uh, um when you talk about pressure points that's certainly a pressure point for me Listen, when I tell everybody what kind of leader we have in Secretary Wetzel, I mean, he's been on my show right now for not even like for one segment and already feel like he just gave me a great outline for what's coming up. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about how we manage stress. And we're going to get through this together. So pl stay tuned. If you want to be a part of the show, 866-391-1020. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. We're back. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. And he is Secretary John Wetzel. I mean, I want you to get in on that intro music. I, I wish I wish you could get in on that intro music, you know, and, and kind of do a lead in there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do the I can't do the uh, radio talk up. Back in the '80s, maybe I could get down like that. I'm I'm, I'm aged out of that uh, of that skill set anymore. <laughs> I uh, it's so it's so funny. I um, when sometimes when I'm in there, I feel like should I start rapping if they pull, play Beastie Boys like. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, oh, wait, I'm not musically talented at all. I shouldn't do that. Um, and, it's, and it's fun when I realize that I'm on the radio, too. All right, so here's the... I, you, right before the break, you said... I mean, I think this is cr crucial. And how do we manage stress? And, you know, what can your staff do? What can people out there do? And you, you're definitely right. Like, I, I've, I've been wanting you to sit with that meditation every day. I, look... I feel very confident in telling people out there right now, meditation is so important and it doesn't matter. Listen, when we talk about meditation, it doesn't matter if you have a belief system, don't have a belief system, it can fit perfectly with your spiritual beliefs. Um, it doesn't have to do anything with spirituality if you don't want it to. At the end of the day, meditation is practicing being present, it's practicing stillness, and Secretary Wetzel mentions five minutes because I say five minutes of meditation a day for six straight weeks makes physiological changes in your brain. Like when you hear that, it's unbelievable. So no, I think for me, meditation is absolutely crucial. Um, is it? So tell me about your experience with meditation, or what well, gets let you? Me, let, yeah. let me. So here's here's the, um, my thing. So when I heard meditation. As someone who, who 
not into that space, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the whole Eastern mindfulness. These are terms that sometimes cause reactions from like meatheads like me, right? Um, and, and then you said, well, listen, this is, you know, what do you think meditation is? And uh, you said, just get comfortable, set your alarm on your phone for five minutes and just breathe. And that, But I always heard like, if a thought comes in your mind, don't let a thought come in your mind, all this stuff. And you just made it real simple. And I'm embarrassed to tell you this because like the, t- the days I, I wake up in the morning and remember to do it, it really is a good time, and the, and the five minutes flies by. Um, I just forget to do it a lot, <laughs> so I don't know if you have advice for that. But maybe you could like give specifics on it's not like it's not a complicated thing to do. Yeah, no, I think that's that's probably really important for people to hear because it's not it's not complicated and. It's also not a pill, and I say that because I think sometimes people say, well, I, I did it the other day, but I still feel anxious, and I'm saying, well, it's not, A, it's not a pill, and I don't even know you can take a pill that will stop anxiety the next day, um, so it's a, it's a practice. It's a, it's, if you think about it like this, push-ups you know, make you stronger. There's not a question of whether or not they make you stronger. Push-ups make you stronger, but you have to get down and do them. And what happens was when we sit still, our brain practices being present. And, and I say sit still. I'm not saying turn off the thoughts. It's not about that. Because even if you try to turn off your thoughts, it's funny. I remember thinking at times like, oh, when I was younger, I'd say, oh, my mind's, I, I did it. I'm not thinking. And then it would hit me. Oh, crap, that's a thought. So we're, we're not supposed to turn our thoughts off. We become observers and watch our thoughts. And what you learn in this, and this is, this is exciting because what you learn when you do that is that you don't have to react to every thought you have. I love that you mentioned earlier, like if you want to get mad, just scroll through Twitter for five minutes. You're going to find something to be mad at because people have a tendency to believe if they have a thought, they should just say it. <laughs> and I think that people need permission to understand that just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to share it. <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a great point that a bunch of us can learn from. Uh, again, especially <laughs> like um, like before you hit send. I love Herm Edwards, right? I'm a big Herm Edwards guy, and he talks about you know don't hit send, don't hit send. And I think I wish people <laughs> at least like just you talk talk about taking. Uh, 15 days and not leave the house. How about 15 days and nothing dumb leaves your mouth? How about we start that? We can do a hashtag for that. Yeah, let's let's figure out a hashtag for that. Um, That's awesome. No, you know, I said to a group of guys today, I said, look, um, this one, I try to find a lesson in anything I'm experiencing. So when I see this coronavirus and I see people, the first thing I look for is a lesson, something positive to share with people. And I thought, it's pretty interesting how people are becoming more mindful of their environment. They're more mindful of what's going on. And that's a wonderful first step. And it's also a big step toward managing stress, being mindful. Like, so my, what that, coming back and tying this in with this meditation is what meditation teaches you to be is mindful to be present in, in, in the moment. And this is something that really can change how you go about your life. Because you're, instead of being, I'm living 10 minutes in the future or an hour or a year in the future or living in the past trying to make things happen that can't change, I become present and 
it's one of the best ways you can manage stress. I think, look, to remind you, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'll just, I'll have to, uh, we'll have to figure out a, a reminding strategy. Because, look, it's a habit, <laughs> like anything, like anything. Yeah, well, I'll tell and, you, and, one and, of the other things, when, when you said that, it, it reminded me of, you know, I talked about having, like, security blankets or good people around you. And I think uh, one of the things that's different from, I've been in this job nine and a half years now, right? And and it is literally like dog years. So that's like 63 dog years <laughs> I've been doing this work. And what's different for me now than me eight years ago is if I'm stressed, I can look around my table at my leadership team and say, I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm feeling the pressure. And just to have the ability to do that, and again, I really don't understand life outside of uh, work and football. I really don't. I try to. You know, I'm a father uh, in a relationship and all that stuff. I wish I was better uh, at the outside stuff. Um, But what I understand within my context of work and football is that the ability to be authentic, to have the right people around you and be able to just say, man, I am overwhelmed, and have a team that you, you have the faith is going to lift you up. It's made all the difference for me the past two weeks, and, and I know for a bunch of my, I speak for a bunch of my team also. Yeah, that's just, it's, it's working hard to put the right people in place and just being able to know that you can trust in people and that trust in that process. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think it's fantastic. Look, we'll, I want to come back to the being pre- being present. I was going to come back to being present, but I was so present that I forgot what I was going to say in the past because I was listening. Um, oh, when we're reducing these variables, tying all this together, when we're reducing these variables and um, finding this a way to have meaning in all of this, I was thinking about the, an author that you and I both have been impacted by, which is uh, Viktor Frankl. Um, that really shaped you when you read A Man's Search for Meaning shaped me when I read that. But how is that applicable to right now? Well, it, you know, it's interesting. That's a book, as, as you know, you know, uh, just real quick for your listeners, I quit school my senior year, quit college my senior year, went to work as a full-time CEO, went back as a grown-up, got assigned this book, read this book, and my life changed. I decided I knew what I was going to do for life, and, and it's Viktor Frankl, who's an existential psychologist, and he wrote a book about um, about his experience as a prisoner during the Holocaust, and he made observations at how different people adjusted, and some people were worse, turned into the very, uh, turned into and mimicked the behavior of their captors after they were emancipated. Other people just walked away and never looked back, and but there was a group of people who who actually found a way to be better as a byproduct of this horrendous experience. And it just, it just struck me because it, I saw a lot of similarities in, in corrections and especially this notion of resilience and, and that the human spirit, um, if we allow it, can survive pretty much anything. I mean, the notion that someone come out of the Holocaust and be a better person for it, Think about that for a second, you know, when you're you're whining because you get booted off a conference call line. You know what I mean? It's just um, it's just right. something that, that I think that book lives with me forever. I, I would say that. It does. It's one of those books that is an experience. I used to make every counselor in training read that book um, because it's actually really hard. I can read 
uh, pretty quickly, but it was a book that I could only read 20, 25 pages at a time. I'd have to set it down um, because the experiences are so profound, so powerful. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a man's search for meaning, Viktor Frankl. It's a great lesson. There's a lesson in what we're getting through this coronavirus together. We got a lot we can learn from this. We have a lot we can contribute. And as we talked about earlier, we have times when maybe we don't need to contribute. We can stay stay quiet if we don't have something positive to add. But Secretary Wetzel and I have a whole lot more to add. So stick around. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. He's Secretary John Wetzel. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. We're back. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. Joining me live on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh line is Secretary John Wetzel. I know you want to jump in on that intro music when it plays. <laughs> that one was that one was a little seventies for me. That was a little uh, a little early for me, but I appreciate the vibe. Took me back to sitting in the back seat. Before we had seatbelts and all the good old stuff that used to happen in the early seventies. <laughs> That's right. So, look, we were talking, we're talking about the, you're dealing with an enormous, enormous system. We've talked about in, in that systems, understanding to be ready, like when an event's happen, you've been prepared, prison systems are preparing constantly for these inevitable things. So, folks at home who are, one message you can learn from this is that you have a system and a family system. You have a community system and there is stuff that can be done. Like, that's a message I really want people to hear. There are things you can do, even from home, um, especially from home right now. That That's the message of hope, that there is something that can be done. It's a message I know you're giving to, well, you, you as you say, your staff's doing it, and they're, they're already doing it. But I do think that's something the families can learn from. Yeah, and, and I think... Um... Listen, I mean, I can't tell you how much, uh, you know, pulling together and, and communicating and really uh, trying to make sure everyone understands what you're trying to accomplish is, is critical. You know, when you talk about my system, you talk about a bunch of staff. You also talk about, you know, 45,000 inmates and, and life is better when uh, they're understanding what we're trying to achieve and pulling in the same direction also. But you're also talking about um, their family members. Like we, so if we have 45,000 inmates, those 45,000 inmates have 81,000 children, right? And so um, when, when we talk about emergency preparedness and those kinds of things, and one of the reasons, frankly, I'm on this show right now is because I think it's very important that the public understands that we have a plan and we're working through that plan. And if you have a, a family member who's either working for us or, uh, or living in one of the one of the prisons, I think it's critical that you understand that we have a game plan, we're executing it. It's difficult, but but we have confidence that, that we can pull this off, but we also pull in the same direction. And so, again, I can't stress enough, us, us versus them, the them is, is coronavirus. And uh, it's one of the reasons why we, uh, while we cut off visits to remove that variable, we, we're doing Zoom visits right now and free phone calls and the kind of things to keep that family connection because we understand that family members support um, is as critical to keeping a good uh, vibe inside our facilities as anything else. And, and when they're well, anxious that, yeah. and concerned and, 
and complaining. It just adds to a, a negative vibe, and, and we really need everybody uh, being positive and focused on. Uh, you know, I think I think what uh, one of your lines that I feel often is that we know situations have a beginning, middle, and end, right? And I hope yes. we're in the middle. I hope like heck we're not in the beginning. But I know there's going to be an end at some point, and and if we can just focus on getting us to the end as soon as possible, I think we'll all be better off. That was um, it's funny because that was what my wife said tonight. She was like, "On on your show tonight, I'm I'm, I'm guessing you're probably going to remind people about the beginning, middle, and end." And um, and it's I lo- you know my my wife's my rock, and I I love that she brought that up. And I said, "Yeah, that's I was really wanted to give that message at some point." tonight because i think so many people do forget that um there will be a beginning a middle and an end to this experience and even though we don't know exactly where we are in it we do know that it's going to eventually pass um that's why like i think doing it mindfully so uh, you brought up the systems like in extended like families family members family members of staff members family members of uh individual uh, individuals who are incarcerated and there are children of incarcerated parents as a population that really is, I know it's near, like a population that you've made strides to help along the way. I just wrote a little children's book um, that we're going to get for children of incarcerated parents called What's in Your Bucket? You can guess what that's about. <laughs> Filling your mind with what you want to be in your mind. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that because that's, a, that's, that's something that you, you have specifically helped people and programs and things like that around children of incarcerated parents. Yeah. And I, I worry about children in general in this. Um, I have a daughter who's supposed to graduate high school this year. Uh, not in a good place right now as far as, you know, this mm. is not what you would have yeah. been in your senior year of high school to be, especially your last couple months when you got the senior skip right. day and all that fun stuff. And so I worry <laughs> about kids in general. Uh, and 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 I think the good news about this generation is that they're connected to each other on the cell phone, which is sometimes the bad news also. Um, but then you add the right. stress of incarceration um, and and a parental incarceration. I just think that we have to be deliberate about understanding their fears. And, and I would say to everybody, like we certainly listen. Systems. Uh, get criticized, and systems often earn criticism, including my system. But I I would ask for, uh, when you talk about mindfulness, like folks who criticize the system and make broad, sweeping statements that aren't backed by facts, I'd ask you to think about the implications on those statements, not just on me or not, you know, I can hit block or mute, like I can get away with it. But think about (laughs) that kid who has a parent incarcerated and you're saying, uh, something to make the situation sound even worse than it is. I mean, look, the situation is, is not good. So you don't have to make it worse. And so I think folks should be real cautious about who's receiving the messages they're sending and the unintended consequences of that. Well, that's it's enormous because we have an opportunity to teach our kids about problem solving and about how to handle a situation, a situation that we don't have to come in saying, look, I have all the answers to, but at least we can talk about it. We can, I think it's important to be direct, to be calm, to emphasize that beginning, middle and end to it. Um, I think it's really, it's an important time to spend that with, because I, I think with children, you're right, children in general, um, I think it's important to have this kind of conversation. It's, it's just, 
it comes back to that. So for me, that children's book I was telling you about what's in your bucket is about teaching them about what they put in their minds. And this is a message that I'm really wanting to bring to this week, which is pay attention. If you're watching the news so much that you're getting yourself really fired up, it's important to step away and take a minute from that because the news triggers amygdala, your fight or flight response in your brain. And so your brain is literally being triggered, triggered constantly to pay attention and putting yourself on alert. And in terms of managing that stress and all of this stuff that we're getting on or talking about tonight, I think it's really important to step back and ask what is being put in your mind? What's in your bucket? What are you allowing to be in your space? Whether it's negativity, like you talked about those negative people, whatever it is, we need to be mindful about what we put in our space. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't um, echo enough um, how important uh, people's mindset is right now and where you're getting information from. And, again, putting on my, my government policy wonk uh, hat, you know, reading some conspiracy theory from some uh, random source versus the Pennsylvania Department of Health website, the uh, CDC website, getting that objective information and, and having faith in the people who are sitting in those positions uh, is critical. And, and when you uh, allow, or as what do you, you call it, putting it in your bucket, you know, when you put junk science right. in your butt, in your bucket, that's not good for your mentality. No. And that's like, listen, there are things that are passed around. Usually you can recognize it on social media uh, if you have, if you're getting an, you know, an anonymous note out there from, you know, or a forward, I see this a lot. There will be people who will forward information from a cousin who knows a friend who has, has somebody connected high up in the military and this is what's happening. You can always, you know, you can, it takes time and experience and I don't want to take it for granted that maybe we can learn to spot those things, but that's something to take time to teach people out there to be mindful of where, like you say, where you get your information so that it's not these random things that can really unnecessarily cause some significant concern. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, I, I think getting accurate, objective information now has become more and more difficult, frankly, as we've gotten, as a society, more and more partisan. Um, you know, oftentimes we're picking our news based on uh, seeking confirmation bias, I guess you could call it, right? Picking our news based on yeah. our belief system. But, uh, you know, this isn't the time for that. That's why I think it's so critical that we put together all the different lenses we look at the world from. And let's just objective science and make the best decision on the information we have today um, that's likely to get the best outcome, understanding that sometimes we're going to be wrong and we're going to adjust. And, and I think, you know, I watched uh, Governor Cuomo from New York. If you watch, uh, watch his press conference today on their emergency preparedness, and, and he's somebody who I was like, man, you could learn a lot from because he's authentic, he's factual, he's, he's kind of not, uh, not shy about calling out stuff that's not accurate. I mean, I think that's really we have an opportunity here to just be authentic human beings and try to try to do the right thing at every cause. Like, what's the next right thing to do, and let's do that. I think we have that opportunity, and we also have that responsibility if you're a decision-maker in this environment. Yeah. And, I mean, 
it's, it's I love talking to you because I feel like there are so many different directions we could literally go right now. I feel like I, there's it's the energy could keep going because there's a di- there's different ones. One one thing I wanted to hit on um, was yes, it is confirmation bias, and yes, when we go to look for our news, we do look for whatever we want to. You know, you turn on whatever you want to hear, whether you want to hear something you don't agree with or whether you want to hear something you do agree with. And I think it's really awakening for people to learn about what confirmation bias is. It's not right right or wrong, good or bad. Um, It is just a natural inclination that we have, a tendency to look for things to confirm what we already know. Um, And a healthy bit of uh, skepticism is, is, it can go a long way. And not just skeptical at others, but skeptical of your own kind of certainties. I, I really think that's an important thing for people to learn to do. So we got more time. We still have more time to talk. 866-391-1020 is the number. If you'd like to talk, um, we're going to keep we're going to keep putting out this uh, important and accurate information uh, with Secretary John Wetzel and me, Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. It is really kind of so, it's so much fun to be talking to somebody who is a leader, a genuine leader, and doing it. Uh, Secretary John Wetzel has been with us through this show. He will uh, finish this show with us. And, you know, you're somebody I want to have back on because I I really feel like there are so many different things that we could talk about um, from from football. Well, I'd love to to do that. I wish wish you had a morning show. You know, I'm a... I'm so far after my bedtime right now. <laughs> these, <laughs> so, these are long days and so, long hours. So uh, I'm going to get an earlier slot, Doc, and I'd be happy to come back when I'm awake. I know. I know. I, I laugh when I agree to this because I said I'll do one day a week, and it was funny because that time is, is also, you know, I'm with you. I'm an early riser, and uh, so this is, it's often past my bedtime. But I, I, since I know I'm doing it, I, I get that extra caffeine around 4 o'clock, so I'm good to go. Um, this is a unique time. It's a unique time. Um, this is something that is not something we've ever experienced. Nobody has ever experienced this stuff before. What what lessons are you hoping that? Um, let's say let's go both with as a staff. What, you, what lessons are you hoping your staff learns from this? Um, or, or what kind of lessons are you hoping that some uh, inmates are going to learn from this? Um, you know, for the staff, I think, I hope that, that we can um, remember that that, um, that we all have the same goal and that sometimes we come from different places and there's things we disagree on. There's things we're always going to disagree on, but, but really understanding that pulling together, that, that's our strength. I mean, um, and I hope we're all appreciative of, of the folks uh, who, who do this job Again, across the country, but certainly across Pennsylvania, we have some remarkable leaders. I mean, you talked about a, a superintendent. I could tell you about 20 of them. You know, I have, uh, I have some folks, uh, deputy secretaries. My uh, executive deputy is um, like one of the strongest leaders I've ever met in my life. And, uh, you know, going through difficult times and looking across the room and knowing that uh, he's sleeping as little bit as I am and he, and at the end of the day, if the two of us are walking around somewhere opening and closing doors, because that's what we have to get it done, you have to get it done. And so I hope we all recognize the strength and that leadership counts at every level on the org chart. Uh, with the folks who are incarcerated, I hope, I hope um, they understand that um, 
really prioritize what's important. Like, trust me, if you're focusing on what's important in life, you're not sitting inside a prison. And I'm not saying that from judgment uh, and from a judgment standpoint, but I'm saying that if at every moment when you're ready to make that critical decision, if the decision is, this is this is what I, I need to do. This is what's important. This is what's best for me. This is what's best for society. You're not going to go to state prison for it. So I hope as they're dealing with this, and, and again, they have another layer of stress because they're worried on the outside. I mean, some of our folks, like right. if you're in the RHU and you don't have like ready access to the news and stuff, imagine hearing that the NBA canceled. There's no NCAA tournament. Uh, they're postponing the Olympics. They've shut down Major League Baseball. Like, imagine that and then add on to, oh, my God, if they're doing that with all this, what's happening to my family who's likely to be living in poverty in a poor area with with uh, with inconsistent or inadequate access to medical care? Um, so I hope that in spite of the fact that their stress levels have to be an all-time high, they can really understand that, that their family needs them out there. And, and being out there means doing the right thing. And, and when you get out, you know, be like the, the folks that inspired us so much, Doc, uh, in, in um, um, Victor Frankl's book, where, where, you know, have this experience, make it better. But understand that the best way for you to help your family is to be home. So do what you got to do to well, get exactly. home and stay home and not come back to us. Exactly. I was saying to some of the groups of inmates I was working with today, I said, um, Look, um, this is a situation where, where the, oh, when you say they should or they should do this, they should do that, I said that they that you're thinking about, this arbitrary they about what's happening, I want you to turn that around and every time you're going to say they should, say I will and focus on what you can do in this present moment. Like that's what, that's what being mindful is all about. Like what can you do? In, we're leaving a footprint right now. We're leaving an energetic footprint. And so we want to be mindful. There's this exercise. I want to give this mindfulness idea because this walking going forward, I think it could be, it's it's a helpful exercise. They have, um, if you ever watched the old kung fu movies, you would have seen examples of it. But it really is a tradition of uh, martial artists walking on rice paper. And the reason why they walk on rice paper is to walk deliberately, intentionally, and without ripping or tearing rice paper, which is easy to tear. And when you think about what it takes to walk on rice paper, you've got to be intentional. You've got to be purposeful. You, you have to be mindful to do it in, the, in your best effort. And then if you apply walking on rice paper to your mental approach to this crisis and things are going around, and say, let me be intentional. Is what I say going to help the world or hurt it? Is what I'm doing going to help the world or hurt it? I think that's a good strategy to move forward walking on uh, rice paper. Well, I'm a big dude, so I'm, I think I'm a brick to that rice paper no matter what. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I'm with you. I'm just deliberate and, and thoughtful. Uh, but, you know, that's life of a big man. I'd probably, you know how it goes. I'd uh, probably slip on the rice paper. I'd probably slip on the rice paper. Listen, I've really enjoyed having you on this show. Um, so we're, we're going to plan to do this again, um, like, way more frequently. Yeah, and hopefully we can do it at a time where it's not like full crisis mode. And um, really, um, I really enjoyed the opportunity. And, you know, appreciate your partnership with the department helping us work through the challenges. I mean, I, I can't 
I can't uh, end this without, you know, pointing out that, you know, most of the folks who are incarcerated are going to get out. And, and we all, our citizens, are invested in, in having people get out less likely to commit a crime than when they come in. And just appreciate your partnership and working towards that goal. Definitely. Definitely. I, I, listen, it's, that's the reality. People are getting out, and we want to make sure that people are better than when they went in. Um, and that's the goal. That's really the singular goal, and that's what we're all working towards. It, you know, it's something that you set a goal toward as a leader, and it's what people around are working towards. So thank you so much. Um, I just, listen, my heart goes out to you, and I need you to open. I need you to remember to meditate tomorrow morning because I know your work is like, piled up. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the try, the man. I hope so. I hope so. so Take five minutes and, and, and give yourself a chance to uh, meditate tomorrow morning. It's a goal. It's Thank a you goal. so much. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for tuning in to uh, every week, uh, 8 to 10, uh, Emotional Management on Monday nights. I'm super grateful for people listening. If you're struggling and you want to talk, I'm here every week, and I'd love to hear from you. Um, if you're moving forward, move forward, um, walking on rice paper, be intentional about being kind, about giving the world your best, because the world needs your best right now. And look, it's going to be normal to struggle. That's okay. But let's be mindful and let's be as present as possible. And uh, until next time, as always, I wish you much peace.